Lexicon Valley is brought to you by Open Account, a podcast series created by Sujin Park and Umpqua Bank. Open Account explores, through honest and sometimes comical interviews, our uncomfortable silence around money. Open Account is available now on iTunes. From Washington, D.C., this is Lexicon Valley, a podcast about language. I'm Bob Garfield with Mike Volo, and today, episode number 69, a new installment of Linguophile, wherein we discuss a mystery word or phrase with lexicographer Ben Zimmer. Hey, Mikey. Hey, Bobby. How you doing, buddy? Splendid. Thank you. And your own self? I'm great. I'm great. Ben, you're on the line from New York. Yes, How you doing? Hello. I'm great. Good to be back with both of you. What is our clue this week? Well, our clue for this week's word involves a spoonerism. You you guys know what a spoonerism is, right? A well-boiled icicle? A well-boiled icicle, exactly. So you switch those initial consonants or consonant clusters and so coming up with something silly. So, right, Bob Garfield would become Gob Barfield if you spoonerized him. I actually, I was recently spoonerized. They found uh, two polyps and told me to come back in four years. It's good to get preventative care. (laughs) Okay, well, let's do some spoonerizing here. If you spoonerize the word that I want to talk about, you'll get a phrase that might mean a word game played on a sandy hill. Dune, something about dune. Dune, yeah. Okay, you're, you're off to a good start, dune. What kind of word game might you play on a dune? A uh, word game? Yeah. One that involves shaking up letters. Oh. Oh, a boondoggle. There you go. Dune boggle spoonerizes to boondoggle. Uh, but of course. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, we done here? <laughs> We're just getting started. A boondoggle. <laughs> boondoggle. I should say that this is actually a listener request. Oh. We got a request via Twitter from one of our loyal listeners named Lisa Rave, who is from New Zealand. In the dictionary on her phone, for Boondoggle, it said, Origin unknown. She said, Origin unknown, unacceptable. I think this is a job for Linguophiles Ben Zimmer. And a boondoggle is, Bob? It's an ambitious enterprise that is kind of quixotic and usually unavailing, and it costs somebody a lot of money. He has a lot of questions. Often the taxpayer. Particularly about that monstrous boondoggle. (laughs) So like Howard Hughes' Spruce Goose? Lumberyard. (laughs) (laughs) And Spruce Goose. Was a boondoggle in the aerospace industry, and... uh, and that's on the private side. There are sadly many a, a public boondoggle that's taken money from all of our pockets. Yeah, and in fact, I'm pretty sure I recall the Big Dig in Boston being referred to as a boondoggle for the years that it was going on. I'm not sure how residents of Boston feel about it now. Oh, that's the huge infrastructure project where they buried highways, built mm-hmm. subway lines to the airport, and at a cost of many billions of dollars. It was uh, Teddy Kennedy's pet project. Yeah, and at the cost of at least one life, I think, too. There's a highway in West Virginia. It goes from western Maryland to western Pennsylvania through a swath of West Virginia that nobody ever needs to travel. (laughs) 
Oh, that must have been Robert Byrd who, uh, who yes. did that, because he was famous for having the best highways in uh, West Virginia, even if they never went anywhere. So I'm going to just forget about even trying to guess the etymology of this, because boondoggle, it's like I'm not even sure what a doggle is. <laughs> yeah, I think we should look first at the, the entire doggle category <laughs> and just, you know, see if we can find the booniest part of it. <laughs> I'm going to guess, as I did the last time, at at least a time period in which this word may have arisen, early 20th century, again, is what I'm going to go with here. Hmm. Early 20th century. I'll go century. mid-19th century. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> late 19th century. Maybe you should have gone well. with your first instinct, Mike, because it, it is an early 20th century word, but a lot of people, even at the time that it became a popular word, just assumed it must be an older word. It has a kind of a sound of you know, old life on the frontier or on the prairie or something like that. And that was the assumption of a lot of people. Well, I see, I hear it in my mind as, because I think of it as associated with these large public works projects. Right. I think of it as more located in the kind of Tammany Hall mm. machine politics era. We can actually pinpoint when people first really heard about this word. This is a case of a word that became very famous very quickly. And we know exactly the incident that prompted people to find out about this word and start talking about it and trying to figure out where it came from. Well, it's not surprising because it's very fun to say. It is. It's a lot of fun to say. And that has a lot to do with uh, how it was picked up in the popular consciousness, I think. I can see it being attributed to the Panama Canal, even though it turned out not to be a boondoggle, but one of the great economic achievements of the 20th century. But, you know, I, I could see how people would dismiss it as that at the time since it was so expensive and cost so many lives. Right. And that's what I was getting at with the Big Dig. When a project like that is ongoing, and this was true of many of the Robert Moses projects, at the time, people think of them as boondoggles because they snarl traffic and they always run over budget as the Big Dig did. And they cause a lot of headache for a lot of the people who are in the path of this public works project. But then after the fact, I think they're often thought of as a kind of welcome change to the infrastructure of the city or whatever area we're talking about. Yeah, I know when I drive to Logan and when giant sheets of concrete do not fall on my car, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy to have had the big dig because it really... It takes what used to be an hour and a half trip and turns it into about 12 minutes. <laughs> so you guys are talking about these big, extravagant public projects, but the origins of Boondoggle are actually much more modest. But let's turn the clock back to April 3rd, 1935. Mm -hmm. This is the key date in the history of the word, Boondoggle. Okay, 1935, the country's in the Great Depression. FDR is in his first term of office. He's set up the uh, Works Progress Administration, the WPA, and various other relief efforts to try to get people working or, you know, at least get them off the dole. So on that day in 1935, the New York City Council, which was then called the Board of Aldermen, had a committee hearing to find out what exactly is going on with this money that's being spent by the city's Emergency Relief Bureau. So they called up a number of witnesses, and one of them was named Robert Marshall. The committee asked him, well, okay, so what are you teaching people on relief? What exactly is being taught in these classes that you have available through this program? And he started to explain, well, we teach people to make boondoggles. <laughs> 
<laughs> and the committee said, wait, huh? what? What do you do? And he said, boondoggles. We, we teach boondoggling. He used this word, and nobody on the committee had any idea what he was talking about. We did a lot of boondoggling. Did you have a boondoggle, Joe? No, I can't say that I have. And then he explained, oh, okay, well, boondoggles are these things that you can make from scraps of leather or canvas, you know, that might otherwise be useless bits of material. And you can tie them together and create things, and those are called boondoggles. I think I see where this is going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why are we spending money for people to make things that are essentially useless? Right. The material that they started with was useless, and then they created something that perhaps was moderately useful out of that material. <laughs> but strips of leather that you could tie together? <laughs> Why is that useful? Well, well you, you have hit on, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you have hit on what was the contemporaneous controversy about the WPA. Some of the money went to what President Obama calls shovel-ready infrastructure projects, mm -hmm. and some of the money went to make work. Yes. Just to, you know, get people some sort of salary to produce something of perhaps dubious value. Speaking of shovels, of course, there's the famous stereotype of WPA workers leaning on their shovels. Lean on your shovel to pass the time away. Taint what you do, you can job for your pay. Why is that? The WPA. Okay, so the committee chairman is just completely flabbergasted by this testimony about how they were teaching people to make boondoggles in this relief program. And he said, what, you know, what is this word? Where does it come from? And Robert Marshall, who was testifying, said, well, it's just simply a term. It applied back in pioneer days to what we call gadgets today. I mean, gadget is a completely ambiguous term for, you know, something that you might cook up. And the committee chairman still wants to know about this word. And he said, was it named for Daniel Boone? Which is a good guess. But Marshall says, no, 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 it's Boondoggles, B-O-O-N. It's spelled differently. And I could see how Marshall would be like, well, what do you want from me? I'm not, I'm not a <laughs> linguist. I'm not an etymologist. I just know the word. I don't know right. where it comes from. Okay, so the committee hearing was April 3rd. And all of the reporters were like, this is wonderful. They just jumped on this boondoggle story. The New York papers at the time, the sort of the major papers were the New York Times and the New York Herald Tribune. They both ran front page stories on this hearing and they singled out the whole boondoggle issue here and this ridiculous sounding practice called boondoggling, making boondoggles, suddenly, just overnight really, became part of the national conversation. And by the way, it's also very much a populist thing to observe, right? It permits the man on the street to be really, really angry about the workings of government Mm -hmm. what we now call waste, fraud, and corruption. So if you were especially a Republican opponent of FDR, then this word was a godsend. And really, over the course of just a few months, it changed from, oh, this is this silly thing that they're teaching people in New York to do, to be the stand-in for extravagant government waste in general. There was, in fact, a pamphlet that was put out at the end of 1935 by the Republican National Committee called Roosevelt the Waster, and it just exulted in this word and how this word just sort of summed it all up, everything that was bad about, they called him frankly destructive Roosevelt. <laughs> Never heard that before. It's interesting. Roosevelt was sort of being attacked by, you know, all of this boondoggle talk, 
And he tried to actually reclaim the word. This is, a, you know, a political jujitsu, sort of like what Obama tried Obama to do with Care. Obamacare. Exactly. So FDR, in a, an address that he gave in Newark, New Jersey, in January of 1936, speaking again about all these sort of work relief programs, and he said, I want to just say a word about the usefulness of what we're doing. There's a grand word that is going around, boondoggling. And he said, if we can boondoggle ourselves out of this depression, that word is going to be enshrined in the hearts of the American people for many years to come. So it sounds like he's trying to turn this word boondoggle into a kind of 2008 stimulus package idea, right, where we reinvigorate the economy by spending some money, by putting people to work, even if it doesn't seem as though they're doing something so useful. Well, no, Mike, it's not what he was trying to do. It was that by definition. That was its whole purpose. It wasn't that the Department of Commerce discovered that we had a strategic boondoggle shortage. It was <laughs> to get people to work by any means possible. It was the, the prototype economic stimulus package. You know, this is very instructive, not only linguistically, but kind of culturally and politically, because we're always talking about how polarized our politics are in, in this country in 2015, and the extraordinary enmity that most of the Republican Party shows to the president, many question his very loyalty, and you just can't believe it's devolved to this, but <laughs> during the four Franklin Roosevelt administrations, there was no less vituperative rhetoric about the president. I remember 30 years later, I was a young reporter. I was in the men's room in my newspaper where this older guy from the copy desk, somehow the name FDR came up, and he, st he starts railing. It was like I pulled the string on a reactionary Barbie doll, <laughs> and the only traitor we ever had in the White House, the only <laughs> traitor we ever had elected to be president, and... For him, it was still like 1938, <laughs> and it didn't matter that he saved the world economically and helped defeat Nazi Germany. As far as he was concerned, Roosevelt was a socialist traitor, and that was his story, and he was sticking with it. We've been here before, is all I'm saying. You know, not just FDR. Harry Hopkins was really bearing the brunt of this as the head of the WPA. And so there were people trying to defend the WPA from these accusations of boondoggling. The Senate Majority Leader, Joseph T. Robinson, a senator from Arkansas, he explained, and he said he was drawing on information that he got from the WPA, that the word boondoggle means useful work. And... <laughs> Nice and, try. Yes. <laughs> In fact, it's an ancient word meaning utility. <laughs> well, he did give an etymology, and it was the same one that was shot down at that uh, original hearing. He said it did come from Daniel Boone, the sturdy American woodsman. He said Daniel Boone, he certainly knew as much about practical, useful things as the advertising writers now employed by the Republican National Committee. He was responding to this pamphlet that was going around. He explained that Daniel Boone had made a toggle, a word that sounds like boondoggle, out of leather straps in order to tie his rifle on his head when swimming across a stream, thus keeping his gunpowder dry. Now, that sounds wonderful, you know. Daniel Boone, a real sort of frontiersman from Kentucky who was responsible for the boondoggle or I suppose a boon toggle. Right, the resourceful MacGyvering of 
Daniel Boone. <laughs> exactly. They were trying to make it boondoggling sound like MacGyvering. You just take whatever is available to you and you work your way out of trouble. That etymology notwithstanding, I'm guessing that Lisa Rave, the woman who requested that we talk about this word on Twitter, I'm guessing that she's not quite yet satisfied because we still don't know <laughs> where Robert Marshall pulled that word from. So let's look at the investigations that were going on about where this came from beyond just these tall tales about Daniel Boone. So at the time of that committee hearing in April 1935, I mentioned that the New York Times and the New York Herald Tribune, the two major papers of the time, were loving this. They were running front page stories about this. They were putting this word boondoggle into the subheads of their articles. The New York Herald Tribune really owned this story, though. The hearing happens on April 3rd, 1935. They run their big, splashy front page article on it the next morning, April 4th. If you turn to page two, there was another article in the New York Herald Tribune saying, boondoggles, simple to do, but not to explain. Inquiry reveals a word not in the dictionary. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> and then they say it proved equally puzzling to lexicographers last night. So they were actually on the phone calling up lexicographers to try to get some kind of insight into this word. They were actually calling the Ben Zimmers of the day. <laughs> well, the person that they called was Dr. Frank Vizitelli, who was the editor of Funk and Wagnall's dictionaries. Dr. Vizitelli told the Herald Tribune that an hour's search through his files and every available source book had failed to reveal a single reference to the word. They quote Dr. Vizzatelli, I spent about an hour looking for the thing and had no luck. I felt sure that if there ever had been such a word, it would have been used in the time of our old friend Andrew Jackson. And if it really did exist in the time of President Jackson, we would know about it. We talked previously on the show about other words from the Jacksonian era, this time of great creativity in American English. Discombobulate was one of those words. And we talked about absquatulate. Another word from that era, hornswoggle. I mean, boondoggle wow. sounds like hornswoggle, right? So hornswoggle mm -hmm. really does date from that era, from, you know, circa 1830. And hence my first guess on this, if you'll recall right. back uh, 15, 20 minutes ago. Huh? Huh? My instinct was sound, and I used the word sound advisedly. Okay, we'll be back in just a moment, but first... Money is one of our last great taboos, something we all need but rarely dare to discuss, until now. Open Account, a series of interviews created by Sujin Pak and Umpqua Bank, explores our collective, uncomfortable silence around money. Honest, emotional, and sometimes comical, Open Account goes deep into the most rewarding, challenging, and paradoxical aspects of the number one leading stressor in America, money. Open Account is available now on iTunes. So, a couple of days later, in the New York Herald Tribune, they carried yet another article which explained that they had discovered the origin and true meaning of this word that has stumped everyone. They said, It was coined by a 15-year-old boy, Robert H. Link of Rochester. Now, we'll find out that Robert H. Link was not actually a 15-year-old boy, but this is the way that they reported it. And they explained that the facts were set forth in the March 1930 issue of Scouting, a magazine published by the Boy Scouts of America, which was received in the mail at the New York Herald Tribune office last night in an envelope mailed at the Grand Central Annex post office with no clue to its sender. 
a blue pencil had marked the boondoggling article. They get this anonymous tip. Somebody just sends in this article from Scouting Magazine that, that explains... You know, deep throat, it wasn't. I just love the breathless reporting. It's like, well, we, we checked with the lexicographers. You know, they, they don't know. And that, but then we get this anonymous tip. It's like three and, days after this word is used in a WPA hearing... You, you can hear, like, the teletype patter, boondoggle, boondoggle, what does it mean, what does it mean? Follow the leather. Follow <laughs> the leather. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so a couple of days later, on April 8th, they finally give the authoritative story. And they got some of the details wrong the first time around. This Robert H. Link fellow was not a 15-year-old boy. They had misread this article from Scouting Magazine, which had called him a 15-year veteran of the Boy Scouts. This guy was actually an adult, and he was a scoutmaster. So this article on April 8th, the Herald Tribune just blows the cover off the whole boondoggle story here. Because they get in touch with this fellow, Robert H. Link, from Rochester, and he explains to them exactly how he came up with this word. He said that when his son, Robert H. Link Jr., was born in 1926, the word popped into his head as soon as he saw the faintly squirming, wrinkly infant. Boondoggle, said Mr. Link on that occasion, and boondoggle Robert H. Jr. has been ever since. Oh, geez, that sounds so <laughs> apocryphal. Well, whether or not the story is true, Ben, it does document the use of the word before the New York City hearing. Well, the first time that it appears in print is actually in 1929. What happens in 1929 is that thousands of Boy Scouts from the U.S. go to England for the World Scouting Jamboree. Robert Baden-Powell, the father of the scouting movement and the chief scout of the world, is there. 40,000 scouts from nations around the world come together for this World Scouting Jamboree, and among them are some scouts from Rochester. So Mr. Link, the scoutmaster from Rochester, explains to the Herald Tribune that when they were leaving to go to England, they needed a name for something that they were making out of plated leather, so braiding leather together that they were putting together as a kind of a Boy Scout project, but they were going to give these things to the various important people who were there at the jamboree. And presumably they were going to say, what the hell am I going to do with this thing? <laughs> well, were, were they lanyards? Were they fobs? Was there any utility to them whatsoever, this plated yes. leather? Some of them used them as lanyards. They could also be used as a kind of a hat band. Or apparently also they would braid them together in such a way that they could be used for the neckerchief so that you could have a neckerchief slide that kept your neckerchief in place. And Mr. Link, the scoutmaster, gave the name to this creation, called them boondoggles, so that when the Boy Scouts from Rochester went to England, they were able to present boondoggles to the various luminaries who were there. Now, that included the Prince of Wales. The Prince of Wales in 1929 was Edward, who would later become mm -hmm. Edward VIII, of course, the mm -hmm. one who abdicated. He would briefly become Edward yes. VIII. <laughs> I cannot carry out the duties of the throne without the help and support of the woman I love. Wonderful. Wonderful. People are going to think I dropped a clip of him in there. That was actually Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I could do the kind of record-scratching sound effect, but, uh, you know, I don't want to kill the necessary. lily. 
So, yeah, I remember because he went back to Wallace Simpson. He said, I went all the way to the Jamboree and all I got was this boondoggle. <laughs> so the scouts from America, particularly from Rochester, they actually presented him with a boondoggle. This is reported in that 1930 Scouting Magazine article that the Herald Tribune received anonymously. It explained that these American scouts presented the Prince of Wales with a handsome boondoggle made from red, black, brown, and blue strands, and that the chief scout of the world, Lord Robert Baden-Powell, was also presented with a boondoggle, which, following the excellent example set by the Prince of Wales, he placed around his hat and wore continually during the rest of the jamboree. You know, so I guess we're on to something. This hearing that where this story all begins happened in New York City, which is only, what, 100 miles from Rochester? Is it possible that the guy running this program where the people are making crap from uh, scraps of leather was a Rochester Boy Scout in his day? Well, you don't have to make a direct connection like that because according to the Scouting Magazine article from 1930, once the boondoggle became this big hit of the jamboree of 1929, scouts from all over the world wanted to know, how do you make a boondoggle? And they would come to the Rochester scouts and ask them to show them. And so it became something more general that you would do with bits of leather or other material. And here we have some boondoggle keychains. I must have for this season's fashion. Already made like affinity of those at scout camp. Well, as someone who in my career, as a camper and a scout, fashioned a lot of gimp into lanyards and a lot of cotton loops into potholders, I can say that I'm not really surprised that this <laughs> whole boondoggling thing took off the way it did. Everybody's always looking for a new way to occupy the idle hands and minds of 12-year-old boys. So it uh, makes perfect sense to me. But really, there's no evidence for Richard Link having invented this word as a pet name for his newborn son, other than him telling us he did. I'm just not buying it. I'm not. I think he's a hornswoggler. <laughs> well, we can use now, you know, our databases to figure out when was this word first introduced in print. And there is still nothing earlier than 1929. And rather ironically, one of the very first appearances in print was actually in the New York Herald Tribune. They had someone reporting on that jamboree, the Scout Jamboree in England. And they actually said in the August 3rd, 1929 Herald Tribune, the prince wore around his scout hat a boondoggle, which is a bright leather braided lanyard worn much in the manner of the hat cord used by the U.S. Army. This was presented to the prince by 13-year-old Brendan McInerney of Rochester, New York, the youngest scout in the American camp who made it himself. So if only they had the ability to search their own archives or if yes. they had had somebody on staff <laughs> with a sharp institutional memory, they could have known that they themselves used this very word some years earlier. Yeah, that's right. We really have no evidence whatsoever pre-1929. So Robert Link, even though the story sounds very fanciful, still has the best claim to this. And let me just say that there are some glimpses of words that sound a little like boondoggle, which might be related. Oh, you're already walking it back, huh, Zimmer? Well, I'm just saying that we have this lovely story of Robert Link calling his son that. But if we're talking about the thing that you actually make with the leather, there is the word toggle, which did originally mean this kind of pin that you would pass through a loop of a rope to keep something in place. 
There is also a word woggle, which was being used by the scouts in the UK to talk about the loop of leather that they were using to thread their neckerchief. There is a wonderful article that appeared in the British satirical magazine Punch at the time of that great jamboree, which explained that boondoggle, it is a word to conjure with, to roll around the tongue, an expressive word to set the fancy moving in strange and comforting channels, and it rhymes with goggle, boggle, and woggle, three of the most lighthearted words in the English language. And little did they know, it really was a word to conjure with, especially once it became part of the American political vocabulary. Thanks, Ben, and thank you to Lisa Ray for suggesting that word. I'm not convinced that we've gotten to the bottom of it, but perhaps Mr. Link is the actual originator of the term. I'm not sure that we've gotten to the bottom of boondoggle either, but we may have just perpetrated one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to thank Lisa Rave, too, for her excellent suggestion, and I'm very happy to take requests for words for future linguophile episodes. One uh, word of caution, though, if you tweet using the Lexicon Valley handle, a suggested word, that might mean that uh, Mike or Bob might actually see it, which would kind of spoil the surprise and we wouldn't be able to keep it a secret word. You can always contact me via my website, benzimmer.com, if you want to make sure that Mike and Bob don't know what word we're talking about. Okay, thanks, Ben. As always, send suggestions to Ben at his website. You can send correspondence to us at lexiconvalley at slate.com. That's lexiconvalley at slate.com. Please follow us on Twitter at lexiconvalley and kindly subscribe to our feed in the iTunes store. You can read Ben's Word Roots column about the word boondoggle on vocabulary.com where he's executive editor. Andy Bowers is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts. All right, man. We done here? Yep, we are done. Later, Gator. Dark storms, thunder and mad lightning iPhone, notepad, app, don't look like my handwriting I couldn't see you with my moon goggles Now I run art rap, it's a boondoggle And it seems right, I think I'm Steve Reich They called me Steve Urkel, but now I'm Prince Nelson And my cloak's purple, I dare say you act funny I'm drowning out your poopy rap songs With Thomas Pinchon audiobooks that I bought with rap monies Don't sound so surprised when I tell you I'm Mr. Mojo, right? The Clamphitheater, the $800 million boondoggle based on nothing more than a cute play on words.